Hi everyone, uh, my name's Andy Hood and I'm the Children and Youth Worker here at Inspire St. James Clerkenwell. It's great to have you with us for our online service this morning. Now as Mark said, we've finished our series in the New Testament book of James and this week as we look ahead to a new academic year, we're taking a week to think about reading the Bible and in particular about meditating on scripture. Now earlier this week I was talking to someone who said that they love September, they love the new academic year because it feels like they get a kind of fresh start, a new go at life. And I think we all get that, right? We, we all like the idea of a, a new start because we all want this time to be different, this year to be different. Most obviously right now, we'd love uh, the circumstances we face to change. We'd love things to come back uh, towards normal. But on a deeper level, we long to see change inside us as well. For many of us, lockdown will have revealed uh, parts of our character that we long to see change parts of our life where we'd love to see transformation. And the verses we had read to us from Psalm 119 tell us that that kind of change, that kind of internal transformation is possible and that it comes about through spending time with God in his word, the Bible. Now, maybe that doesn't sound plausible at all to you. Maybe you're thinking, how, how can a book written millennia ago be the key to, to internal transformation in my life today? Or maybe you're a bit disillusioned with the Bible. You've been faithfully reading it day by day through lockdown, but it doesn't feel like it's made any difference to your life. Perhaps that's because we haven't fully grasped the gift that God's word is to us. Perhaps that's because we haven't fully learned how to, to engage with scripture in a way that allows God to transform our lives. And that's what God wants to teach us uh, this morning, how we can be changed made new by his power as we spend time taking his word into our hearts. And I'm going to call that uh, transformation through meditation. Transformation through meditation. And the heart of transformation is the transformation of our hearts. The heart of transformation is the transformation of our hearts. We see that at the start of the section of the psalm we had uh, read to us. Um, verse 97, the psalmist writes, Oh, how I love your law. How many of us could hand on heart say that? Not, I sometimes listen to your law. Not even, I think your law is quite important. But, oh, how I love your law. And then at the end of the section, uh, verse 104, the psalmist writes, Therefore I hate every wrong path. Not, oh, I suppose I'd better not do that. But I hate every wrong path. God's word has the power to transform our desires, to change what we want, to retune our hearts so that we love God's way and hate every wrong path. So that far from being bitter or a burden to us, God's word is sweet to our taste, verse 103, like, like honey in our mouths. And because the heart is the control centre of our life, Proverbs 4.23 says everything we do flows from it then as God's words transforms our heart, that gives it the power to transform our whole lives. So the psalmist describes a transformed mind. In verse 98, he says, your commands make me wiser than my enemies. Verse 99, they give him insight. Verse 99, verse 100, sorry, they give him understanding. Wisdom, insight, understanding. These aren't the same as mere information or just knowledge. This is the ability to live well in God's world, to, to choose the good, to, to act wisely. Who hasn't felt the, the need for that kind of wisdom as we've tried to live faithfully in this strange new world? And not just a transformed mind, but, but transformed actions as well. 
Verse 101, the writer says, I've kept my feet from every evil path. Verse 102, I've not departed from your laws. It's God's word that gives us the power to walk the walk in the Christian life, as well as talk the talk. And who doesn't want to live a life with that kind of integrity? God's word has the power to transform our hearts and so to transform our entire lives. But all too often our experience of reading the Bible is a million miles away from that, right? If it was like a chore, a duty, something we do because we should. It doesn't feel like it makes any difference to the other 23 hours and 55 minutes of each day. But I wanted to suggest that, that at least in part, that's because we, we tend to read the Bible or engage with the Bible in a way that doesn't allow it to transform our hearts, that doesn't work it into our hearts. To put it bluntly, we end up reading the Bible a bit the way we read BBC News on our phone each day. BBC News is the source of information on what's going on in the world. The Bible is the source of information on God. And the problem is because we have so much information at our fingertips, we're incredibly used to reading without any sense of purpose. If you ask me why I look at the BBC News on the, my phone each day, I would have nothing better to say than so I know stuff. It doesn't affect how I live or, or what I do when I scan read uh, BBC News. It's just stuff to know. But if, if we want God's word to transform our lives, the Bible can't just be stuff to know. Scripture itself tells us we have to do more than, than just read the Bible. We have to work it into our hearts. Paul tells the, the church in Colossae, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Moses says to the people of God that man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. In the same way as we, we, we can't just look at food, we've got to take food into our, our body to give us physical life. We've got to take God's word into our hearts to give us spiritual life. Imagine I made some toast in the morning, spread on the butter, and then kind of laid over some delicious honey all ready for my breakfast. And then I just looked at the toast for a couple of minutes before starting work. I'd end up pretty hungry. I wouldn't get any strength or energy from the toast. I wouldn't know anything of the sweetness of the honey. And I'd probably decide that it wasn't worth reading, it wasn't worth making my breakfast in the morning. Why am I bothering? Well, in the same way, if we just glance at the Bible, read it quickly, do our Christian homework for today, if we don't take it into our hearts, then we'll know nothing of the power of, of God's word to transform us. It's, it's sweetness as we, as we spend time with him. Instead, we need to let the word of God dwell in our hearts richly. And wonderfully, the psalmist shows us how we can take God's, into, God's word into our hearts through meditation, biblical meditation, transformation through meditation. Now, the word meditation popping up in a sermon might be a bit surprising, right? Because when we, when we hear the word meditation, the first thing we think of is the, the idea of emptying our minds, right? Associated maybe with Buddhism or with yoga, but certainly nothing to do with Christianity. Well, biblical meditation is basically the opposite. Instead of trying to empty our minds, we're trying to fill our minds with Bible truths so that it might work its way into our hearts. It's what's being described in the first few verses of the section we had read to us. Verse 97, oh, how I love your law. I meditate on it all day long. The writer meditates all day long by filling their mind with God's law, with his word. Verse 98, your commands are always with me. Not in a physical book, but, but in my mind, in my heart, on my lips. Verse 99, I meditate on your statutes. 
So what's being described here isn't just reading the Bible, looking at the page and trying to work out what the words say. And it's not prayer. The, the psalmist is talking about, about talking to himself, encouraging himself, not speaking directly to God. Instead, biblical meditation is kind of an intermediate stage where we take the truths of scripture and prayerfully work them into our hearts, where we internalise them. So they stop being something we just know out there and start being part of who we are. Now, I'll take some time at the end to talk a bit about what that looks like practically. But the key thing I want us to see at this stage is that biblical meditation requires us to give God and his word two things, time and focus. Not necessarily a half an hour of unbroken attention on a passage of scripture, but five or ten minutes where we focus on a Bible truth and allow God to work it into our hearts by the power of his spirit. And the thing is, I think, to be honest, that the biggest challenge for us practicing biblical meditation isn't that we haven't got five or ten minutes spare at some point during the day. It's that we can't focus on anything for five or ten minutes. We live in what's been called the the age of distraction, where there's constantly something else demanding our attention, something else promising relief from our boredom, whether it's uh, the constant flow of emails at work or the ping of a WhatsApp as we're sitting down for a meal or just the endless entertainment offered by the internet. And so in pursuit of, of being connected, of having the world at our fingertips, out of fear of being bored, we allow ourselves to be, to be formed into people who flit from task to task and thought to thought without ever settling and focusing. And so we make it harder and harder for ourselves to meditate on God's word and so to be, to be transformed. By contrast, the psalmist seems to have no problem, right? Verse 97, in the second part, he says, I meditate on it, that's on God's word, all day long. Well, how can he do that? Look at the first part of that verse. Start at verse 97. Oh, how I love your law. It's love for God and his word that makes it possible for the psalmist to focus. We know that dynamic at work in other areas of our life, right? If we think about the times when we're doing something we love, whether that's part of our, our work or spending time with people we love or, or sport or dance, that when we're doing something we love, that is when we focus, when all the other distractions seem to, to fade away. Uh, David Brooks, uh, the author of the book The Road to Character, puts it like this. He says, if you want to win the war for attention, don't try to say no to the trivial distractions. Try to say yes to the subject that arouses a terrifying longing and let that terrifying longing crowd out everything else. Say yes to the subject that arouses a terrifying longing and let that terrifying longing crowd out everything else. If we want to meditate on God's word so we can live transformed lives, we need to open ourselves up to a terrifying, overwhelming longing that will drive out all other distractions. And the good news is that there is no greater, stronger, truer longing in the human heart than to be with God, the one we were made for. In verse 102, the psalmist says, I have not departed from your laws, for you yourself have taught me. You yourself have taught me. The psalmist isn't just saying that he knows that the Bible is written by God, that God's the author. He's saying that as he spent time in God's word, as he's meditated on God's word, he has met with God, encountered the living God in his word. 
Despite the fact that we tried to push him out, God wants to be with us. And so when we rejected him, when we turned our backs on him, God didn't send a book of instructions out of the sky for what to do. He became one of us in the person of his son. To walk with us, to, to talk with us, to die for us, to bring us back to himself. And now he has given us his word and his spirit that he might continue to be with us, to, to teach us, to transform us. And that can make all the difference when we see that. Because if we think about a biography or a Wikipedia page, it might be interesting, right? We might want to scan read it. But no one longs to read a biography or read someone's Wikipedia page. But after the last few months, we all know what it's like to long to see someone, to speak with someone, to be with someone. The Bible is not God's biography. It's not God's Wikipedia page. It is how he meets with us today. And when we get that, we'll long to hear from him, to be with him, to be transformed as we meditate on his word. Transformation through meditation. And so before I close, I want to talk a bit practically about what biblical meditation looks like. Now, it always starts with carefully and prayerfully reading the Bible. We need to hear what God's saying. So we need to find a quiet place away from distractions like our phone, uh, open up a passage of scripture and listen to God's words. It might be helpful to, to find uh, some notes or a devotion to help us see what God is saying. And once we've heard from God, there are lots of different ways we can let the word of God dwell in us richly. Maybe we can write down a key verse multiple times or, or sing to ourselves a key truth. I want to talk about um, one way to get started with biblical meditation I've found helpful. Um, it, it comes from the, the Reformation theologian uh, Martin Luther. Um, the way it works is, is you kind of read the Bible, uh, read a passage and, and pick out one key truth, maybe one verse or even part of verse and commit that to memory until it's in your mind. And then once it's in your mind, ask yourself these four questions. So number one, adore. What amazing thing about God can I see? Number two, confess. How do I fall short of this in my life? Number three, gospel thanks. How can I thank Jesus for revealing God and dealing with my sin? And number four, aspire. How does this show me I need to change? It might help to write your answers down, but the most important thing is that once you've got those answers, you, you think about them and hold them prayerfully before God. Weave them together uh, round that key scriptural truth uh, prayerfully before him. And as you do that, by God's grace and through the work of his spirit, you'll find that God's word goes from being something outside of you to being worked into your heart so that it, it begins to change your heart, so that it begins to draw forth desires and longings, so that you want to pray, you want to thank God and confess to God and, and ask God to transform you into his likeness. And, and it's not just once a, a once a day thing. When you recall, if you recall that um, that, that truth or that part of a verse or that verse, um, later on in the day, you'll find that because of the time you spent working into your heart in the morning, it has the power to, to reorientate you back to God in his ways. And so by his grace, you'll find that over time, you might be more and more able to, to say with the psalmist, oh, how I love your law. I meditate on it all day long. So if you want this year to be different, if you 
want to be transformed into the person you were made to be. Let your heart be filled with a, an overwhelming longing to be with God. A longing that drives away all distractions. Meditate on his word that it might work its way into the very core of your being. And may the God who made all things by the power of his word be at work in you by that same power that you might be made new from the inside out. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you that though we reject you, you long to be with us, to rescue us, to teach us, to transform us into your likeness. May we be people who love your words, meditate on it, and so by your grace and through the power of your spirit, become the people you made us to be. Amen.